With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. And, uh, oh, the podcast is presented by Drift Car Sharing. I totally forgot to say that. Um, you'd think that that would just be habit by now, just the same way that saying DNVR instead of BSN Denver is. Um, I'm excited to talk about football today and basketball today. By the way, nobody told me that Drew Goodman calls basketball games for... I don't know if this is like a common thing, but for those of you who don't know him, he he's the Rockies play-by-play guy, and he called the Buffs game against the Anteaters on Monday. All these days are really running together at this point, um, which definitely surprised me. I'm not sure if this is a thing. I'm not sure if it's a thing that people like. I know people aren't really a big fan of him when it comes to calling Rockies games, but uh, feels familiar. Um, some personal news. I've started uh, chewing gum. I found that that is a very good for me. Like it, it like keeps my mouth moving without making me talk or eat or other things that are either like unhealthy or bother people. But uh, I don't know that I just was reminded because I forgot to take my gum out before I started taping this, and I realized that's probably going to be horrible to listen to. So I'm gonna take care of that and uh, actually be right back. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so for as great as it is for me to be chewing gum now, it's like five calories, makes your body think you're eating something, keeps your breath fresh, like it does all these awesome things. It also probably sounds terrible, uh, on a podcast for an hour. I bet it would probably taste terrible by the end too, and then my mouth would be moving weird because I'd be like numb from the... Okay, um, Drift Car Sharing is an incredible service. You park your car at their lot at the Denver International Airport, and... Instead of paying money to park there, which is how parking lots typically work, uh, you get paid to leave your car there. They rent it out, and you know e- even even if they can't rent it out, you still get to park there for free. They still clean it for you. It's a great deal. You guys are wasting money like me if you aren't taking advantage of this. They insure your car. Nothing bad can happen. At least. I don't think. 
Um, if you want more information, go to drivedrift.com. It's it's seriously a great service. You should all sign up. Uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Especially if you're like following the team around to all these different places. I'm going out to Utah, by the way, for this game. We finally got that figured out. Next year, we're going to be uh, getting me to a lot more football games. With the way this whole season has gone, me kind of getting thrown into the fire like a great i don't that makes it sound bad like because i you just like burn up when you're in the fire it's more like i'm being like thrown into a massive like ice cream sundae and i drink a big coffee by the way this is gonna be a weird one um and like as much as i enjoy every part of being in it it is also hit <laughs> points overwhelming so uh yeah the plan for next year is to get to a lot more football games which i'm excited about um also, I'll have like some baseline knowledge of what to expect from covering a football team for an entire season, and I will have like an off season to adjust. This has been a lot too much about me recently uh, in this podcast, like these last couple minutes. So we're gonna skip ahead through all the other words I was about to say, and instead start talking about football. Uh, some cool things about football: there was the press luncheon today, which was pretty awesome. As always, um, I don't know if I've told you guys, but they give us really great food at those. It's easily the best meal I eat every week. Uh, you get up there and you sit for like 10 minutes while they like set up all the food and they have like real chefs out there. It's the same chefs that they use to take care of the athletes. So obviously they're really good. They feed us like we're supposed to be super productive, super humans like a LaVisca Chenault or a Tyler Bay. But really... My body is not accustomed to that. Anything that isn't just greasy, fast food just makes it so happy at this point. Um, Again, we're back on me, but we had salmon. We have salmon most of the time. We had like this great pasta. They're like different types of salad. There were like these really big broccolis, like really big broccolis, very long broccolis actually that were like, they must have been cooked in some serious butter or something. My goodness, I've never enjoyed eating a vegetable so much in my life. Um, yeah, it's it's incredible food. And because of that, I say nice things about the football team. It's a win-win. Win for you guys. Get to build some optimism. Um, more importantly is what, more important is what was said at the luncheon. Heard from a few different people. Um... It's always kind of interesting to see, I don't know, like like things like where you ask the same question to like five different people and five different people have totally different answers. That's the kind of stuff that, I don't know, it's always interesting to hear, but also makes it very difficult to write a story about it, if that makes sense. So for example, today, first we ask, uh, I think Numoto Fallow was first asked him what he thought right about or that he's not going to be able to run behind Ralphie in his last game. Um, he didn't really have much response. He said, like, you know, it's not something I really think about. Uh, didn't ask LaVisca, actually. Uh, asked uh, Alex Changham, who said something similar. Stephen Montez is, like, heartbroken. Um, Mel Tucker is upset but again him and steven were both like digging into like making sure that she's all right and that kind of stuff which is what i like to hear as as you guys know i'm like an animal guy um i think steven might be too i think i think steven might be an animal guy he might be somebody who'd be willing to go to the zoo with me 
only based on the one answer to the one question do I think this, but I don't know. I'm just now I'm brainstorming weird video content. Like we put him next to animals and compare and contrast him to different animals. That could be a great bit for a video. Uh, doesn't matter. But but that was kind of like one of the themes of the day. Everything built off of the fact that this season is almost over. That there are two football games left. How many times have I said that the last two weeks? Um, I don't like the bye week as much as I thought I would. I don't want the time off. I want more football. Uh, it's it's kind of this strange feeling. And again, it's like cyclical. For a guy like Mel, who's been through it a lot, he knows what it's like. He knows all the emotions. He knows how to handle all those. He knows all the feelings. But for a guy like Steven, obviously, you, you have one co- uh, senior day when you're in college. And there's like the high school one too. But but it's it's something that you have to navigate. You don't just show up and play basketball, but again, with two games left, one at home, one on the road, and then that's kind of it. That's it for his entire college football career. Who knows? If if things don't break right for him, it could be the end of his football career. I would be amazed if he doesn't at least get a shot in an NFL training camp, but it's a change. It's a change. And he was talking about uh, how he was kind of... <sighs> I don't know. I'm more, grateful more than anything is is the word that I would use to describe all of Mel's thoughts, or, or sorry, Stephen's thoughts about uh, the end of his college football career. You know, he's saying he, he couldn't believe that a, a guy like him was getting a shot from McIntyre to come in and lead the program. Uh, just very appreciative of a bunch of different things and wants to go out hot. You know that's that's always been the kind of the theme of Steven Montez, at least his media availabilities, is that everything is kind of just built off of wanting to win football games, and sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it's his fault, sometimes it isn't, but you know you can't really doubt his want to, um, at all, at all, uh. You know, he even said today, you know, I'd rather get the win with zero passing yards than whatever else. <sighs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that it's going to be interesting with Steven. It's going to be fun with Steven to see how the narrative around him evolves over the next, you know, five years, 10 years, 30 years, when when his name could still be at the top of some of the record books. Because I honestly don't know. I don't know how exactly he will be remembered. I think probably the most talented quarterback to come through CU since Cordell Stewart. I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't think that that's a super hot take, but that's easy to make you like a guy when he is that talented, when you know he can go out there and win you any game. But at the same time, he didn't do it as often as fans would like. Um, something, one of those reactions, you know, that, that there's the hardcore, he is the best that we've seen in so long, but also he's very frustrating. One of those thoughts is going to soften. Whether it's, you know, that the frustrations kind of die down. Um, 
and some of the other factors play out. And I think a lot of it could be dictated on his pro career. I think that if he goes on to the NFL and makes a name for himself there, you know, it's not the same as doing it for Colorado. It's not the same as leading Colorado to bowl games, doing that kind of stuff. But, you know, there's still so much pride in what Mason Crosby does, what David Bakhtiari does. Nate Solder, before he got got bad just out of nowhere. Um, through Through all of that stuff, you know, I think that that does continue to build your relationship with the fans of your college team. Um, and, and if he does pan out at the next level, it's not going to replace his lack of success at Colorado. But I do think that it will soften the blow. But that could be totally wrong. And and it also might not happen. He might not go on to have a great NFL career. Um, I don't think that the narrative is done changing, though, the way that it often is when a player graduates. You know, typically within a few years, kind of everything is settled and the, the takes on a player are pretty similar. You know, you, you can talk about what was Shea Fields at the University of Colorado. And uh, I think a lot of the emotions from the fans would be very similar um, right now as to what they were a few years ago. I don't think that's going to be true with Steven. It's, it's just complicated. This whole, the whole thing is just complicated because he just hasn't had the same amount of success that we think he's capable of. Um, that was a bit of a tangent. We can jump back in with, uh, let's talk about what Mel had to say today. Oh, actually let's go to Visca because this is almost sort of news. You know, every, everybody that we talk to outside of Visca is a senior, you know, new Motofalo, uh, Alex Changham, Steven Montez, and then Mel, the coach, not a senior, but, uh, Visca may be going to the NFL draft next year. I think that that has to be the expectation at this point um, just because he is so good. You know, if you have a chance to go get drafted in the first round, you go get drafted in the first round, get the money, move on. Um, as He doesn't need a degree. Uh, he, he isn't somebody who is really going to, I don't know, if he leaves early, look back and say, wow, I wish I sure had gotten that degree. Like, like it's, it's like a, it's an accomplishment for sure. Don't want to diminish that. And I bet it's something that he would take pride in, but it's not something that is really going to come into play. It's not going to be a limiting factor for him in the future, more likely than not, if he gets drafted, because if, if you, if you get that first contract, you're going to play through that first contract. So much of it's guaranteed if if you're a if you're a, a rookie in the first round, you're making seven million dollars a year for four years. That's going to be enough money to set you up for life. Uh, there there isn't much of a reason for him to stick around. And with everybody else leaving, a lot of the themes throughout the day were questions about what that's like. Two games left. How do you want to go out? Uh, you don't get to run behind Ralphie in your last game. Senior day. How do you manage those emotions? Those types of questions. For Visca, it's a little bit different because we don't know for sure that it is his last game. And, you know, we were, we were joking about before, like, who's going to be the one who asked Visca, is, is this your last home game at Folsom? And it ended up being Adam Munster-Tiger who asked the question. And Visca said, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, you guys will all find out uh, when it's time for everybody to find out. And <laughs> so that's, that's not a good 
sound for Buffs fans, but it's also kind of what you expect. Uh, Brian Howe followed up with, uh, have you made up your mind yet? Do you know what you're going to do? And he kind of dodged that one as well. Made it sound like, yeah, my my personal guess, my read on the situation that he probably has made up his mind and kind of flecked it back. Oh, you guys will find out when everybody finds out. So Visca, I, I know some of you were kind of holding out hope that the the injuries would keep him around just a little bit longer because uh, the, maybe the draft draft stock was uncertain. Um, but but it does look like he's going to be somebody who's going to likely go in the first round. That's something I actually want to dig in to later in the podcast. And uh, I'm excited to do that. I want to talk about where his draft stock is and some of some of the predictions that I've been seeing because there's been a theme. But uh, that that's kind of the news there from Visca. Uh, also said that he isn't really feeling like himself. He mentioned he hurt his knee in the last game. He said the bye week helps, but he's definitely not at 100%. Um, I don't think he's been at 100% all season. He was asked the same question maybe a month ago, and he said, yeah, this is the best I've felt all year. I'm not quite 100%. I'm like 99%, though. It's just around the corner. And then a bunch more injuries just popped up again. And... Uh, now he's back to a bit of a low point, uh, which is too bad for him. But, you know, you got to go out there and play the game. And he's going to, I'm sure, keep giving everything he has like he has in the past. Whether it happens to be half the series, whether it's 75% of the series, whether he's out there for 20 snaps or 30 snaps, who knows. But uh, at this point, you're committed to that strategy. You're committed to playing Visca as much as he can play instead of trying to give him a week or two off to get back to 100% so he can come back like himself. Um, that's, a, that's a topic that we can dig into more in the offseason, though. Um, moving along to Mel. Uh, Mel, shouted, Mel shouted us out, uh, the, the reporters. He calls the diehards are up there every day. Um, boy, does he know how to work us. It totally works, too. I talked about taking us out to lunch, how much he appreciates it, wants wants everybody to feel like this is, you know, a bond, a relationship. Um we'll we'll kind of fly through some of some of the key points from Mel's uh day. He mentioned that uh the buffs were recruiting over the bye week, as you'd expect. You know, I think I mentioned Cheverini was in uh Dallas or he was in Texas we don't know Dallas um I know where a couple other guys were I have to go back and figure out what is on the record because I'm not supposed to be saying um but here's what Mel said that they were recruiting Colorado California Louisiana and Texas I think that that's a pretty interesting group obviously Colorado you expect California you expect Texas you expect Louisiana though that's a feels like a pretty random uh choice to send a coach to for the bye week. Um, who knows what exactly they were after there. I think my mind obviously would jump to Ashad Clayton, the running back who just signed. You know, Maybe you're out there keeping him happy, making sure you, you, you pull him all the way through to the early signing period about a month from now, a little less than a month from now at this point. Um, not really sure who else they were looking out there, but... It is interesting that Mel is recruiting that part of the country. He's recruiting the South a lot more than most Pac-12 coaches do. Um, And that's something we've seen from Mario Cristobal, another SEC guy who landed a Pac-12 job uh, up at Oregon a couple years ago. That's 
I, I think that uh, that's something that we should expect to continue to see uh, out of Mel Tucker and this Colorado Buffalo's coaching staff because, I mean, honestly, there are a bunch of reasons. The, the, the level of talent down there, particularly in the trenches, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, so many of them are coming out of that part of the country and less and less are coming out of Texas and California at this point. Uh, the, the big recruiting hotbeds for the Pac-12 traditionally. So they're kind of forced to to go to the South, and luckily Mel has some connections there. Um, it's it's good stuff. I, I think that it makes a lot of sense. I think that he's showing that those connections are helping him. Um, moving along, he also said that Cordell Stewart will be at Folsom Field Saturday to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the miracle at Michigan. So that's exciting. Uh He'll be up there for the game. Not sure. I'm sure they'll have some sort of like in-game acknowledgement of him. That'll be pretty cool to see. Uh, he talked a bit about senior day. He talked about what his senior day was like. Um, he said he honestly didn't remember all that much of it, but he did remember that his parents were out there for it, which uh, was a pretty cool story. If you guys want to go back, he was on the uh, Clay Travis podcast last week. Um for like an hour talking about his life. And there was some interesting stuff in there, including some stuff about his parents and how hard it was for them to see him play. So definitely cool that his parents got to see him play. Um, talked about, uh, he was asked about Delrick Abrams, said a lot of good things, says he's a hard worker, calls him slim, which I personally like, uh, fits him, uh, said that he's going to be great at whatever he decides to do next. Uh, high character, good teammate, coachable. Um, oh, he also said that he is cheering for the Pac-12. And this is something that I was kind of surprised to hear early on, you know, especially early in the season when I'd say you, you cheer for the Pac-12 to win all the non-conference games because that's just good for the conference. That's good for RPI. That's good for your resume. All that kind of stuff. The whole conference rises together when they win um, those non-conference games. And the same thing in the postseason as well. Um there was some pushback. A lot of us fans said, I'm never cheering for Oregon. I'm never cheering for USC. I'm never cheering for these teams that you know, are those traditional Pac-12 powerhouses, which I get from like an emotional standpoint. But in terms of what's best for the buffs, it's probably those teams winning when a win doesn't like negatively impact the buffs you know, tangibly. Um, Mel Tucker's on the same page as me. Uh, he said that he's cheering for the conference to do as well as it can. Uh, he, he wants to see it represented at the playoffs. He thinks that that'd be good for everybody in the Pac-12, uh, whether that's Oregon, Utah. Assuming one of those two teams wins out, they probably get into the playoff. Uh, again, they'd be playing each other in the Pac-12 title game with a trip to the playoff on the line, which would be pretty exciting. Um, but then, obviously, Mel quickly follows it up and says, we aren't really worried about that, though. Our job is just to win as many football games as we can here. Uh Thought that that was a, a cool little glimpse into his thought process. He also talked a lot about Ralphie. He and Steven, they both, I mean, tip, typically we were getting the short answers like, oh, no, it's, it's too bad, but we still got to go play football. Mel told the whole thing, you know, he was like, well, when you're out there in the chute, you're just waiting for that garage door to open in front of you. Then you walk out of the chute, they're doing the countdown, and then you're just like, see Ralphie standing right there. You're just waiting for Ralphie to go. Uh, it's a cool moment. And Mel kind of broke that down. Uh, 
like Steven said, you know, you got to do what's best for her. Um, also, and I thought that this could be a kind of controversial uh, statement from Tucker, but this was toward the end of the press conference. He was asked about Steven, what's been like working with him. And he said, I just wish I had more time with him. I really do. Um, you know, Steven Montez at this point, not the most liked quarterback that, that the buffs have had for the reasons that we talked about earlier, but Mel has his back, I guess is, is, is the point. Um, Mel sees something in him. He, he doubled down and said, you know, I said early on that there's something there. I think that there's definitely something there. I love working with him. Um, he wants more time with him. I'm not sure what the sentiment is, you know, Mel, I'm sure if, if you asked him, he would say, I'd love to have Steven Tuck or Steven Montez eligible for the 2020 season. Um, obviously that's not possible, but I wonder what your guys' takes are. Would you guys want to have Steven Montez back one more year? Are you ready to let, you know, Brendan Lewis take over as a freshman or go after a grad transfer? Uh, obviously, I mean, none of it plays out in real life. We know what's going to happen. Maybe not who's going to be the starter, but we know it won't be Steven Montez. But if you guys have any strong takes there, leave them in the comment section and we can get to those uh, later on. Um, time now to talk about Breckenridge Brewery. And in particular, I'm telling you guys about the uh, Hop Peak beer today, which I'm excited about. It's their IPA, very good IPA. Um, I think it was pretty obvious that this is the beer that we are the least familiar with um, on that draft podcast last week with AJ and Andre. Uh, I still haven't had a chance to try one, but I have a 15-can sampler in the fridge right now, and we're going to the Chainsmokers concert tonight. So, you know, not, not, not a big Chainsmokers guy, but it's something to do. Going to see the Nuggets play the Rockets tomorrow. That'll actually be a lot of fun. Um, definitely going to be drinking some of that Hot Peak tonight. I'll be back tomorrow with a real review of it. I've, I've like tried it before, and I'm not a big IPA guy. And so I just knew that I was like, oh, yeah, this is an IPA, but I guess I could drink it. Um, I'm going to go back and try, try it again tonight, and I'll let you guys know. I'm confident there'll be a great beer, just like all their other beers. Definitely recommend you guys check them out. Use the beer locator on their website, and they can tell you where to get their beers. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, also want to tell you about uh, Vita Mobile IV, which is perfect for you if you drink too many uh, Breckenridge Hot Peaks or the Avalanche or the Colorado Core or the Strawberry Sky or any of their other beers, the Holiday, which I might have to have a couple of tonight. Starting, starting to get into holiday season. Um, yeah, you call up Vita Mobile IV and they come to you. They hook you up to an IV. They pump fluid into you. They make you feel good and healthy and just generally better, which is very nice of them. And they don't ask for too much money in return. And they want even less if you use the code HYD20. You can get 20% off the first visit, whether they come to your dorm room or your office or your house, apartment. Um, I wonder if you could get them to do it in public. Like if you said like, hey, I'm taking my dog to the park. Can you meet me up there? Probably not. The zoo. I don't think the zoo would let them in. Um, yeah, definitely use Hop, or not Hop Peak IPA, uh, Vita Mobile IV to uh, help you out in those situations. Or if you're like a real athlete and for some reason you care about 
my thoughts on the buffs and you're listening to this podcast, then you can use it to, to perform better in your athletics. Uh, Vita Mobile IV, get on the website, get on their app, use the code HYD20 for 20% off. Okay. Um, jumping back in now, there is some football talk that I wanted to get into that isn't just talking about the news from today. Okay. Um, we're going to change up the order of things today because there's still just a couple minutes left in the Buffs basketball game from last night. And I figured I should probably see the whole thing before I try to give you a bunch of takes on it. Um, so we're going to get to comments in the second segment, which is going to be weird, but we're doing it. Um, one comment comes in from CU at Folsom who says it is true. Season ticket holders are getting offered free tickets. Aside from literally caring less than zero about whatever football matchup you went to, <laughs> yep, the point you made with the problem with the CU fan base is not limited to your experience this year. It takes a culture to build back up to reach what Folsom was 10 to 15 years ago. At that point, CU was playing good enough fo- football with decent slash high enough stakes, and the student body decided on attending CU while it was a good football school, making it part of the student culture. Every bad year from there is a new influx of students that care just a little less and lose just a little of the fan intensity. This also means that there is a decade of alumnus that don't have the, that same emotional connection to the program that drives donors and season ticket holders post-graduation. And 12 years later, here we are. I think because of the thirst for good football again at CU, it should only take three years or less of high-stakes football to get the fulsome magic back. As an example, 2016, Washington State had like 35% of that vibe, and Utah that year had like 65% of that vibe back. Okay, yeah, um, totally agree. Like, it's it's just, it, I don't know, it's, it's just going to take some time to build a football culture after you kill the football culture. It's not something that's going to come back immediately. And I did realize, like, I woke up this morning, I was like thinking about the podcast and I was like delirious trying to figure out like where I was and like realizing like, oh yeah, I did a podcast two in the morning. Um, I realized like I I don't want to be like too harsh on the fans and the whole point of what I was trying to say is that like this has actually been pretty incredible that things have gone this well. Like sure, it's been a little light after halftime, you know, student section happens to fill up just a little bit late. Um... Those those little things that you hope will change as Colorado continues to build, but you know it's it's not it's not bad. I mean, again, overfilling the stadium—that's something that very few schools in the entire country are doing. It's just that when you go somewhere else and see where people are all the way bought in, like with their entire heart, everybody is screaming. And again, it's, I was at the first top 25 matchup in Missoula or or top five matchup in Missoula in 25 years. It's like the best thing that's happened forever. And in that time, like, it's not like Montana's been bad. They've won a couple national championships. They've lost a couple national championships. They've been close to a couple national championships. Like they've been in the top five rankings a lot. And even in the playoffs, they never had a team as good as Weber state come in when they were that good. So Expecting that same environment back here is just unrealistic, but it does show you like this is what you you want your college football culture to be. You want everybody standing the entire game and screaming and like allowing themselves to be emotionally invested in the football team 
where like some of the Buffs fans I've talked to here have outwardly said like I will not let myself overinvest in this football team emotionally because it only hurts me. That's not something that fans of Alabama say or Clemson say. You know, it's it's just building that culture back, building that trust back. It's it's going to take until everybody actually believes it's real instead of everybody hopes that it's real or hopes that they're on the right path that you start to see some of that. And then when the success actually comes, that's when you get to actually see good things happen. Um, you know, it again, time. Time is all it takes. And, and that's the weird thing about college football is that programs need to win to keep the fans happy. They need happy fans and winning to pull in recruits. They need the recruits to get better. Um, if they don't get better, are the fans really going to get that much more excited? All these things are just intertwined, and you just need something to start everybody building in the right direction instead of spiraling, instead of losing recruits and then losing football games because of it and losing fan support because of that and losing even more recruits because of those other two things falling out. You just have to reverse that cycle, and that's something that, at least as an outsider, it never looked like Colorado was able to do. I think that Mel Tucker is the guy who can do that. And we've seen with that first recruiting class, that's what he can control. He can control who comes into this program. And again, he needs like help from the recruits convincing them, them being willing to be convinced. But you, you see it. You, you see how he's starting to build the foundation. Now talent-wise, what? I, I think that's supposed to be like the 33rd best recruiting class in the country as of right now. Pretty good. Uh, really good. And if, if this is a team that ends up being the 33rd best team a couple years down the road because of this recruiting class, like things play out linearly, then you're going to see fans become even more excited because, and that means like your, your borderline ranking. Sometimes you're in, sometimes you're out. Uh, teams are scared to play you. You're pulling some upsets. You know, that's a good place to be. And that's where you can take another step recruiting when you're actually on that path. It's just building and building and all these things need to work together and you need all three to really work together. Good news is I think Mel can do it. I think he's already proving he can do it. You would like to see him show more in the winning end this season. But again, I think that being four and six right now is about where this football team should be. If you do less than that, you're underachieving. If you do more than that, if you win either of these last two games, he still has two more opportunities to turn this into an overachieving football team at least in my mind um the way he did it is what makes it frustrating you know beating nebraska beating arizona state losing to air force losing to arizona and even that usc game not a game they should have won but they put themselves in a position where a few minutes left to go they probably should have won it just takes some time and who knows maybe one more four stars on the roster at some random position that overtime game against Air Force flips in the Buffs' favor, or they're able to close out that game against USC. They're able to close out that game against Arizona. You know, it's it's just going to take some time, and that's frustrating, but the, the fans are a step ahead of where they probably should be, given how bad this program has been for so long and the results this season. Um, yeah. I think that that's all my takes on that. Um, good comment. Like to hear all of these comments from you guys. It's the most fun part of the show is hearing what you guys have to say. Um, yep. 
that's going to do it for that. We are going to move on to uh, Denver Rubber Company before I tell you about uh, my thoughts on this basketball team now that I've had a chance to actually see them play, uh, which I'm really excited about. You know, I've, I have a lot of takes I need to get off my chest. Um, okay, uh, Denver Rubber Company. Been around since 1972, most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. They can also help you out with the little things, whether that's snow plows, uh, snowmobile tires, anything rubber-based, they are where you should be going. Their prices are great. They're local. You know you can trust them. We trust them, uh, and you trust us. Uh, they make bulletproof vests. Um, I don't know what the civilian use for a bulletproof vest is. I don't know. I, I don't, we don't need to dig into that right now, but, um, that's another thing that you can get there. There are so many different things that they make out of different materials. They custom make things just for you. They'll help you design it. If it's a big project for, you know, medicine or pharmaceuticals, which is the same thing, or the military, uh, they have custom gaskets, they have hoses. You can call 1-800-259-0010 or you can visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr, and then they know that we sent you there, which is fun. Um, yeah, anything that you need that's made of rubber, they they can get you set up with that. Okay, basketball. Where do you even start? Um, we kind of talked about the three-point shooting, the turnovers, the free throws last night. That was kind of the theme but there is a lot more to take away now that I've been able to see this game and not just the numbers. Um, Tyler Bay, he is a monster. Sometimes it doesn't show up in the stat sheet, or at least it, it doesn't always show up in terms of the scoring and the rebounding. He He really did fill that thing up. But he's just everywhere. You know, like like I said yesterday, tied for the scoring lead with 16 points on 13 shots. Also has seven rebounds, three assists, six steals, three turnovers. You know, got to clean that up. But but he's just doing everything for this basketball team. He's looking like a future pro. And I think the most exciting part about his game is that you can just see how he's going to fit into the NBA. You know, it's not like... McKinley, for example, where it's like, okay, the next level, you might need him to knock down a couple more threes. You know, you, you, you don't know whether he can pull all of the tricks out of his bag that he could pull out against Pac-12 players against NBA players. Like, there are some questions there. Like, is he one of the 64 best ball handlers? Because that's how many are, or I guess 60. There aren't 32 teams. 60 best ball handlers because that's how many are making an NBA rosters or, or I guess are in NBA rotations. That's tough. But with Tyler Bay, it's just so obvious that he is very close to being exactly what every NBA team wants. You know, some teams will look for a point guard. Some guys will, or some teams will look for, a, you know, a, a center. You know, they they have their own needs. But there isn't a team in the NBA who doesn't want like a six foot seven wing who can shoot a little bit, has the athleticism to throw down to cut. Uh, plays great defense like that is just what the NBA needs all it takes is just him improving the shooting a tiny bit and 
he he can play for any team in the NBA. Maybe maybe next year, maybe the year after, um, depending on uh, you know where he is at his development, whether they put him in the D League, all those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, it's just so obvious that he's on a different level than pretty much anybody on the court. Um, all all the numbers that we talked about before, they pass the eye test as well. When when you look at this, it looks like they're the faster team, the the bigger team, and maybe not the bigger against UC Irvine, but uh, just more talented. They they can go toe to toe with pretty much anybody. These big guys from UC Irvine, um, you know, gave them some trouble at times. I thought it was going to be worse though. I thought for a team like Colorado, until Dallas Walton really becomes a guy who you trust instead of a guy who you're allowing to work his way back into the rotation, um, you might have some trouble against some of the the taller uh, players on the other teams. You know, with Dallas Walton, he was so close. He was so close. Like I, you watch, and I was specifically watching because you know I I saw that I saw the over four stat line. But he's taking like those free throw line jumpers, and they're halfway down. They're two that I I remember seeing two. They're halfway down. He makes those. All of a sudden, he's two for four on top of everything else he's doing, and it's a lot better. It's just gonna take some time for him to get back in shape. Um, that brace, you know, it, it was interesting at media day for the Buffs, and this is something that I I noticed and was kind of surprised by at the time. But he's at or Tad was asked, you know, is is Dallas going to play in that massive brace? And Tad said, yeah, he's going to be in that brace all season. I mean, it's tough to say he's 100% we have that brace on, whether it's like the physical aspect of like running around with the brace or uh, just just the mental aspect of knowing that brace is there, knowing that your leg is hurt or you're treating it like it's hurt. Like it's going to be tough. And and he was a little bit lower on uh, – on Dallas Walton's prospects for the season than I would have expected him to be, and much lower than I was. And now we're kind of seeing what he said play out, where he just doesn't quite look like he's made it all the way back. It's just going to take a little bit more time for him to be ready. Um, disappointing, for sure, but also not all that surprising. He's coming back from a serious injury. He's He's a big guy he hasn't played much college basketball it's just going to take a little bit of time um defensively the buffs look good particularly i think against those big guys for uh for uc irvine um lucas seward there's a guy whose name sticks out i mean i mean pretty much everybody on this roster just looks like they're playing good defense um and they're also playing good offense, and so it's 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 easy to get really excited. The slow start is concerning. Um, they just didn't have it all together. Everything looked a little bit frantic. Just weren't clicking the way that they can. And that's something. Let's compare it to the Nuggets. You know, they the Nuggets are so often the better team, the more skilled team, but they don't always look like it. And it's just because they can't get in that offensive rhythm. You know, they, they can't move the ball around and get open shots the way that they're used to. And you see some of that with Colorado. When you have an offense that isn't reliant on just one or two players going and getting their shots, when it's reliant on 
cutting on the backside and all these picks all around and moving and moving the ball and all these different things it's it's easy for one piece to kind of slip up a little bit and tank the whole system offensively and I think that there was some of that from Colorado um, in those situations you need McKinley Wright you need Tyler Bay to take the ball and go get a bucket and get things back on track and, and we saw that we saw that um McKinley, the floaters, I've, I don't even know what to say about that. Um, that's not something that college players are supposed to have in their game. It's a very like old man shot to, to take like the twelve foot floater. Um, I don't even know. Is that that's just a shot nobody has? But he does it. He has a very clean game, a very refined game. And that's what makes it really fun to watch. Visca shot him out today. I, I think Visca was actually asked about him. Like, you know, what, what have you seen from McKinley first couple games? And Visca said, that guy's a walking bucket. It's like, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, very high on this team still, obviously. I think you have to be a lot higher on this team than you were to start the season. That's something that we said yesterday. Um We've said it after most of the games, honestly. It's just like this team is for real. Uh, they they go down to Vegas. Is it Vegas this week? I don't know. All these are kind of run together. I guess I have it pulled up right here. Um, Sunday they have Wyoming in the whatever, Vegas tournament. What's it? The MGM Resorts. That's what it is. MGM Resorts main event. And uh, then they'll play the winner of whatever other game and I guess that second game will be after you uh, after after the next rankings come out. So they'll only have the Wyoming game between now and the next rankings. By beating UC Irvine, that probably makes them what twenty one. Wyoming probably doesn't help all that much. Maybe 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 this is a top twenty team though in those next rankings. Um, if they keep winning for the next week after that, I think there's a good shot that they are. Uh, definitely really exciting time to be following the Buffs. I'm excited. I'm going to be out there more this week finally getting myself like acclimated to this basketball program uh yeah i think that pretty much sums it up those are the big things that i took away from watching them compared to just looking at the numbers again the three-point shooting is special uh tyler bay mckinley wright special players evan batty he just he's he's something different and he's something that is so useful for this team and then and then when you have like your other guys Shane Gatling, Deshaun Schwartz, uh, Dalen Koontz, you know, all these guys who can knock down threes, they can, they can get buckets too. And, uh, they defend well. That's, uh, that's just where you want this basketball team to be. And they're doing everything you could want them to do at this point. Okay. That's all I got for you guys today. I'll be back tomorrow with another podcast after I go up to Boulder. Uh, actually not sure who I'm talking to tomorrow. I got to plan out all that content tonight. Um, but yeah, if you guys have any thoughts, leave them in the questions uh, or in the comments, uh, you can leave questions, your thoughts, whatever, and I will get to them tomorrow. We can talk about what you guys want to talk about instead of what I think we should talk about, which is always fun. All right. Thanks guys. I think they like my Colorado sway, when I'm in it play. Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado 
swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Might not swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag yeah. is pushing 180. Speeding past competition, see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army, with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hey, you on your own now, why you watching the official? You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the last. In the middle of the ring, throwing blows, knocking down team after team. I think they like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado. Have you ever seen a ram? I'm bold in Colorado. Buffalo is what I am. All the teams come and follow. Oh. Star hit the field. The opposing crowd swallow. Cause they know I'm about to kill. He gon' feel that tomorrow. Whole team full of warriors. Got me feeling tribal. Big 12, here we come. We ain't worried about arrival. If you want it, come and get it. We'll wait for your arrival. When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival. Why you make it, why you make it? Yeah, you better bring your Bible.